0: For today's episode, this is our last episode of Season 10. Super excited to chat with Roger today about five games that taught us something from 2020. So do keep in mind, these are very much games that taught us something, so it's not necessarily content-related or skills-related, though we do cover some games that have to do with content and skill-based learning, they're just kind of games that we played this year that we really learned from and we really appreciated playing this year. With that, before we get into the episode, make sure you are a part of our email community. You can find that at BoardGamingWithEducation.com. It's about the second thing on the page there, so be sure to sign up, and you'll have access to different resources as well as news articles and other things happening in game-based learning, gamification, and board games for learning. And in our email newsletter, you'll pretty much know everything going on with board game with education. All right, let's get to the show.
1: Board Gaming with Education, a podcast for anyone curious about how games and education mix. We explore various topics like game-based learning, gamification, and board games, and the impacts they have on learning. Here's your host, Dustin Stats.
0: So welcome to another episode of Board Game with Education. Today, we are talking about our top games that taught us something in 2020. I'm joined with Roger. Roger, welcome back to the show. Yep, thanks for having me again, Dustin. So we're going to chat about some games, and we're going to talk about the games that taught us something this year. I think um, we were chatting before we started recording that this year's been a bit different for both of us. I was looking at mine. I actually, I don't know, maybe this year for me it's been pretty average, because I'm not, I'm fairly new into, like, the board game hobby and keeping track of my games see in 2018 i got the board game app towards the end of the year so i had nine new games 2019 i had 80 new games and this year i had 53 new games that i've played um so i guess a little bit down but you mentioned you had 93 new games this year Mm -hmm. that's way down from what i'm normally i mean
1: i'd say the past i've been tracking mine for since 2015 and I was probably averaging, you know, 140 to 150 new ones every year. So, but it's understandable.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's kind or, of hard. To...
1: I mean, you could you could have played some new, and you know, as the year progressed, I went a lot of digital stuff, and I got a lot of new plays in that way. So, whether we want to count that, but I counts to me.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's that's something I was thinking about too. Is I've done some digital games that I haven't logged. Um, like, I mean, I've we've been doing a mothership RPG. King's Dilemma, I played that. That's not in my board game app. I've played some in the board game arena that I don't log. Uh, some Steam games, too. Uh, but yeah, so we're going to talk about some games that taught us something. Um, before we get into that list, we're going to go over five each. I would just want to share a couple updates with Board Game with Education. That's the first thing is next week we'll have our kind of end of the year episode slash 2021 new year episode so we're gonna chat about 2020 and then look forward to this year and some plans for board game with education so that'll be next week and then also every Friday if you have instagram join me live on Fridays at 8 30 Pacific standard time I chat live there on instagram I'm just learning how to use instagram so I'm still kind of figuring out the app I know it's it's actually been growing a lot. In the board game space, I've noticed a lot of content creators leveraging Instagram specifically. Usually it's traditionally like YouTube or, I guess, podcasts. But, yeah, it's been cool to see some Instagram. Have you seen any Instagram board game media personalities in Facebook groups recently or elsewhere? Oh, me personally,
1: Um, I
0: don't know if it tied.
1: I, I, I loosely follow stuff on there. I mean, I do have an account on it. I have a couple people, but. Uh, I, that's generally not the way I follow people. Um, I get a lot of my stuff through Twitter and through Facebook and stuff. And if it is, it's kind of through there. So right, not, not as much, maybe paying attention if, if they're on there or not. I mean, a lot of them do. And I, I generally don't go and look there unless I'm like super interested in a picture, you know, something that they might've done there, but.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to see the evolution of content creation through the social media channels because TikTok was really popular and people still kind of use TikTok, but then Instagram created these, the they imitated TikTok with their Instagram reels and now people are really using those to create their content on Instagram and that's why I think there's a lot more content creators, content creators on Instagram because of that new addition the reels maybe Uh, well i
1: think it's probably too that a lot of them were already on there so maybe it was an easy you know shift or whatever um instead of you know doing this stuff with TikTok, you know is the only thing i can think of since i think some people you know if you already got a platform you're already working from you it's just easy like oh they added this new way to create content i'll just use the same thing it makes it easier
0: right right cool well let's Talk about our list. We're gonna do five each. I I actually have multiple for a couple numbers.
1: Yeah, I could easily do that with some of mine too. <laughs> uh,
0: so why don't we start with you? What was your first so this is in no particular order because these are the games that taught us something in twenty twenty. So you can't really I guess you you could maybe order what taught you something more, <laughs> but I guess something is no matter how small is valuable here. So what is the first one that you want to talk about um
1: i'm going to use ecosystem um this actually came out in 2019 but it's just a little uh card drafting game where you're creating ecosystems and uh i just kind of i really liked i guess what it taught me is i mean i understand this stuff already but i just like the idea of how they and it made me think too how they put the cards together, um, because you're creating like a little ecosystem environment, you're putting animals with certain environments and they, I think they made everything. And even for me, made me think about it in in a simple way, how, Oh, that makes sense that this animals in that environment, it would do this sort of thing mechanically, uh, in the game. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's one of my, that's, uh, it's not my number one, but it's no particular, but that's one of my top games of this year.
0: Awesome. So that's ecosystem, and by Genius Games, that's yep. actually on our website. You can check that out. And you've made some learning resources for that game too. Mm-hmm. Really cool. Yep. And that that's kind of my fifth one that I'll talk about. I want to I want to talk about uh, my number five. But my first one is Food Chain Magnet. So I'm not an economics professor, and I'm not an expert on the economy or anything like that. But I've noticed some. Economic principles, I don't even know the names for them, but I've noticed the, I guess, the theories, for example, in the game, you can price your items lower, and if your items are priced lower, the customers will go to you, but you get in this pricing war with someone else who will then, in turn, price their items lower, and then it just creates this very terrible market where it's no good for the business businesses, where everything's super cheap. You're You're maybe losing money. Um, but that 's one idea that I learned in the game, or kind of saw that the game put into practice. Another one was the idea that you can corner the market and charge a lot for items so it's really cool to see these actual economic principles in practice in the game and it 's very very much simulated as if this were how it were in the real world so that was that 's my number two food chain magnet, and that 's by Splatter games so how about how about your number two? Okay, my number two, um,
1: this one's technically not out yet. So I, I, I can see this going on my list a couple of times, but it just had such a big impact uh, for me this year. I mean, this has easily got to be one of the most anticipated games I've, I've played. Uh, even though I'm, if I'm thinking about board gaming with education, I'll, I'll try and throw some little tie-ins in it anyway. But the, the game is called Last Light. Uh, it's going to be published by Grey Fox Games. It's uh, designed by Roy Kennedy of the Dice Tower. Um, it's a it's a four X style space game: explore, expand, exploit, exterminate. If you don't know what that means, um, but what is very interesting about it is that I think this is going to appeal to people that maybe generally don't like this type of game i mean i've played with i've done some play testing with it and there's people that come in and are playing and go i don't like these kind of games but this this resonates with me i just really like it it's got this simultaneous gameplay where there's just really no dead time everybody's doing and it feels really epic but it plays in a pretty short amount of time it's just got this interesting dynamic i think what it's kind of taught me is I think something that I've been. This has kind of been my theme this year. Is I'm starting to really get a sense, and I think most of us probably anyway. That I'm really starting to see what kind of games are really uh, resonate for me, and that potentially from an education standpoint might be good. Is that games that have really high player interaction, and you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's not dead time, and I think that's kind of good if you're thinking about education stuff. That games that kind of have that are probably going to be good for students too. So that there's 90 dead time. so um yeah I don't know it's 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 fantastic and I can't wait till till it uh, hits Kickstarter and we get our get our hands on it because it's it's really good
0: awesome and that's last light who's the publisher it's gray
1: Fox games gray Fox they're going be uh, awesome. they're going to be doing it a Kickstarter I don't I don't know exactly but from what I understand it's supposed to be sometime this year so it might not be available until next year it just depends how quick they can you know produce it and all that sort of stuff but it's really good.
0: Nice. So, so we're starting with uh the, the hype trainer. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. I I yeah, I'm getting on that one. But it it's really good.
0: Awesome. So my second one is actually two games and you mentioned a four X game. One of them is a four X game called March of Ants, and the other one is Wingspan. So these are both, I guess, I don't know, I mean biology based games, but not really. I mean they're they're not designed as biology games, but they definitely incorporate uh different. I guess uh, wingspan birds and their interactions, and then March Vance, ants and other interactions. There's centipedes in the game as well as uh, spiders. I think too. Kind of reminds me of Sim Ant. I don't know if you've if you're familiar with that game. Um, I
1: never played it, but yeah, I'm familiar with it. Yeah,
0: I used to love love Sim Ant. So I chose these two games because Wingspan was the first one that I recognized that did this really well, and I didn't want to leave that out. Um, and it uses an example of real life mechanics in biology in the game. So, in wingspan, there's several, but the one that w- really stood out to me that's pretty prominent in the game and it's very noticeable is if you have a hawk in your card tableau or like as part of your, I don't, I'm not sure what they call it exactly, but bird sanctuary or something in the game. If you have a hawk, you flip over a card off the top of the deck. And if it's, if the width of their wingspan is small enough, the Hawk eats it and you and you earn a point so that's something that actually I mean happens in the real world and then March of ants does something similar again there's very there's several examples and each uh I guess the thorax, the abdomen, and the heads they use that vocabulary as well as real life examples of different ants there's There's one that I was talking to Tim Eisner, uh the designer and owner of the publishing company Weird City Games. And he talked about how there are ants that their heads explode. And he thought that was something really cool, and he had to include it in this game. So learning about those two things, and I had no idea that, that there are these types of ants where their heads explode. So that's something that I really actually learned this year and probably will never forget. So that's Wingspan by Stonemeyer Games and March of Ants by Weird City Games. Cool. How about your number three? Um, my number three
1: <laughs> is another one that should be getting in our hands hopefully this month. Uh, it's after the Empire. There's another Gray Fox uh, title. Um, this is a uh, it's a worker placement tower defense, and it's uh, got a historical component to it. It's kind of sp- uh, takes place in medieval Europe. And so basically you're managing like a little castle with, you have like a fields and stuff for it, grow food on the outside. So you're managing it. And what's happening is these, you know, hordes of invaders are coming in and attacking your castle. And so you have to build up your resources to defend your castle. I really, I really like uh, one of the things that really taught me, I thought was really neat. It was really nice to see somebody take kind of the theme and at least in a historical sense, whether they realized or not, I've, I've gotten a chance to play with one of the designers and they, they said they hadn't thought about this, but they, they kind of incorporated those elements in and it totally made sense. So when you lose resources in this game, a lot of games you get rid of them. And I like that this one, let you keep them. So like if you get a wall knocked down, you get to keep the resources from that wall so that you can like rebuild it, which means that, yeah, it got knocked down, but the stuff was still there and the people went and just gathered it up and, you know, were able to, you know, reuse that or whatever. Um, I think once again, it's still playing into that, uh, that thing for me with player interaction or just this very interactive gameplay where there's lots of choices and you never get stuck. And this is one of those games where, I found for a worker placement. Sometimes you know you go, uh, oh, I I have nothing to do on my turn. Never the case with this one. As a matter of fact, this one's got the balance where you don't never have enough. You know it's always difficult. You got to make tough choices. You know every time. So, uh, but that should be. I know it's uh, starting to get hopefully starting getting distributed uh, to to backers. Um, I mean it was late from last year, understandably, but uh, really good historical themed worker placement tower defense game from gray fox games after the
0: empire after the empire i was gonna say age of empires but that's the video game after the empire (laughs) awesome and so my next one is gonna be evolution so this game came out i want to say a while ago i'm not sure the year exactly but the digital based game came out this past year i think or towards the end of 2019 And what did, for sure, 100% came out this year is the education version of the digital base game. And so I put this on my list because I was able to really kind of dive into this game and learn about the lesson planning for middle school-age students and look at how ecosystems and the idea of how the ecosystem is always changing and looking at the game and how there are different uh, moments in the game where food is very, very abundant. And so what happens is a lot of species develop within the game. And that's what happens in a real ecosystem. When there's more food, there's more species, there's more, uh, I guess, animals that, that are around to eat the food. And then eventually what people do in the game is they create a carnivore. So then they end up eating all the species. Or what happens is they eat all the food and then the species die off. So I had a lot of fun looking at that and then kind of creating a lesson plan for it. And you can grab that lesson plan at uh, evolutiondigitalgame.com backslash education. There's a link to their Google Drive. And also, we have Evolution the beginning in our store, and you were able to design some lessons for that. We'll eventually bring over some content for the base game too, but the lessons that you've designed are for the beginning, which is kind of a more streamlined approach to base game
1: right i think it's a good introduction to that one uh if you haven't i mean, just saying i had personal experience with using that in my classroom and i tried the regular evolution games and some of my students struggled with that a little bit more but then when i showed in the beginning then it made sense so then i was able to go back and then play evolution and then they then the students are like oh okay so sometimes that, that tends to work really well plus it plays a little faster and and that, but it, but the basic concepts are still there. You know, it's just but it works real.
0: Yeah, it seems like there's two main things that are taken out of the base game. One was uh, choosing which cards right. you put in the middle, right. and I can't remember the second part. But it kind of eliminates that extra layer of strategy. But still, there's still some strategic uh, decisions there. It's just more streamlined and less. It's a very much easier to introduce to people not familiar with the modern board game hobby I'd say
1: sure sure I think it's a better I mean even though that I don't think that game's too difficult to begin with but yeah if you haven't if you're not really a gamer or you're not used to that sort of thing I think the beginning one's a better starting off point for that if you wanted to show somebody that game and then play that one a little bit and I think it would be really easy to transition into the regular base game that way
0: it's also cheaper too so if you're looking at introducing the idea of ecosystems and, uh, um, oh my gosh, I can't think of the word when animals die off. Oh yeah. Extinction. <laughs> extinction and then, yeah. uh, right. that's the, oh man, that that's part of it, but it, maybe it's a different one. I can't think of it, but anyways, it's cheaper. So it's a cheaper game. The base game's like 30 or $40. This game's like 20 or 25. So it's cheaper to, to kind of pick up to. Um, all right, and how about your fourth one? Okay, my fourth one is
1: uh, from Garpil Game slash Renegade. It's a Raiders of Scythia. Um, this is a store, kind of a historical uh, themed game uh, based off of the Raiders of the North Sea, which is a Viking themed. Um, it incorporates a lot of mechanics from Raiders. So, if you played Raiders of the North Sea, this one's like going to be really easy to pick up uh and it just basically works off this once again another worker placement game for me i tend to kind of like those another thing i'm starting to learn that that's one of my favorite mechanics it's uh, basically you put a worker down take an action and then pick up a different worker in a different spot and then take that action um this one's kind of based in um middle a uh the middle east and asia so you got like persia and greece and um assyria it has some different factions and stuff like that and they've incorporated some new mechanics where basically the raiders of the north sea had two expansions that they released with it and they basically took and streamlined and incorporated it all into one game and i really like the way that it played and it, it added a you know a few new things and stuff like that. So even being a science teacher, I tend to like history-themed games or civilization-based games. So
0: yeah, I, I like those type of games too. I mean, I played a lot of Civ on the, the computer game um, the last few years too. All right. So fourth, what was the the publisher again? Yeah, it's
1: it's Garpill Renegade. Yeah, Garpil Games, but I think you can really get it through Renegade Games
0: now. Okay. Cool. And my fourth is Holly Festival of Colors. So I still I still have a lot to learn about this festival, but it was a nice introduction to what this festival is about. I knew of the festival already, but I had no idea kind of what it celebrated and what it meant and the idea behind the festival. And playing the game, I mean, I feel like in the rulebook, like, that's one of the first things you read is what the festival is about. And it's a way to celebrate the end of winter And they spread color as a way of celebrating new beginnings. So to be able to play the game and just kind of learn the idea of this festival and be familiar with this culture was something that was nice to to do. There's not a lot of outside of that. There's not a lot of other learning opportunities in the game. You kind of just have this introduction to what holiday festival color is. And what the idea of the festival is, but in the game it's very much a area control game, puzzle game. It's not much a learning game per se. So it does. I do really enjoy this, and I love that games do kind of help you introduce you to new cultures and new ideas and other uh, other games similar to this. So that's Holly Festival of Colors, and I think that's that's gonna be Floodgate Games. Okay. No, I'm sure. not even
1: familiar with that one.
0: Yeah, it came out on Kickstarter last or early this year, or early 2020, so we're in 2021 now, and I got it maybe about two months ago. Oh, wow, so okay. Towards the end of the 2020. All right, how about your last one?
1: My last one kind of creeped in at the end. I, I don't know why I always sometimes I sometimes like a lighter game will kind of grab my attention. Um, but this one is via Magica. Um, it is, uh, actually based on the game Augustus and the designer is Paolo Mori, who's done several games. I really like He did a game last year called Blitzkrieg, little two-player 20 minute World War II game is really good. Uh, he's got another game called gods of war that I really like. Um this one's a little different though it's kind of a magic um based game and once again the stuff that I'm learning is I really like this simultaneous kind of gameplay where you know there's not a lot of dead time um and you kind of have to think on your feet a little bit which I, which I tend to enjoy as well um you're basically trying to complete these portal cards and why you're doing that is by collecting these resources that you're going to use to complete them. But the resources are drawn out of a bag and everybody gets to use whatever comes out. So it's like air, water, fire, shadow, and earth. And so when that comes out, you get to put it on one of the cards. And I like you don't get stuck because even if you've got all your um, spots taken, you can move them around. You could like shift something doing it like another one comes out. Oh, and And then it's just a race. To complete seven of these um, these portals, but I don't know why. I mean, it's kind of simple, but it just for me it was fun, uh, and I played it probably over a dozen times already. And I just started playing it like about a week or two ago, so it kind of
0: kind of creeped onto my list. That's awesome, and snuck in. Yep, it snuck in for yeah. it Snuck in. Yep, <laughs> just before the end. Awesome. So that's Via Magica, and the publisher on that one.
1: Yeah, I think it's. Olafonte and Reflex Shop is three publishers that are involved in that one
0: and my fifth one all of the science based games (laughs) in our store so for me that was a big learning process was developing and helping put those resources on our site and being able to see the resources that you've kind of created and going through that as a I guess, quote unquote, student and kind of looking at it as a teacher and seeing what you had come up with and kind of looking at it as a editor and that whole process of bringing it onto the site really taught me a lot. And even learning some little things within the games, too, that you had asked some questions on some of the sheets. Um, Like we played Nerd Science at the beginning of the year. I remember learning some different science vocabulary. But yeah, so I would say all kind of all the science-based games that we have on our store has been a big learning opportunity for me personally, both as a, I guess, owner of Board Game with Education and kind of bringing that together and then also just learning little things about the science games too. Right,
1: right. Yeah, those are, those are all really good. I think you're, so you're kind of really mentioning most of the genius stuff that
0: we have. We've got Yeah, some, we have say- some
1: other stuff in there too, but a lot of their the games we have are from them.
0: Yeah. Our science-based games are it looks like the publishers we have are Genius Games, Looney Labs right. and North Star right. Games. Um and Element Poker too, that's mm-hmm. engage games. Um but yeah, and then I guess I mean this is something we'll talk about next year is where we'll be moving into other content areas this year is ELA and ESL will be our next content area for designing resources and we're always updating our resources. Like, we had designed some resources for the science-based games, and then you actually went back and looked at some other ideas we could add to the game. So we added, for example, the Looney Labs, so the Flux games. We added create your own Flux game based off of, for example, Chemistry Flux, and then looking at what kind of cards you can create to make your own game and have your students create their own game for Chemistry Flux. Awesome. So those are our five games that we've learned something from this year. Do you have any like one kind of insight or one last thing you'd want to share about 2020 and the games you've played? Like, is there anything that kind of really stood out about any of the games you've played or in general, the board game hobby? Well, I I think
1: it's just, it's kind of been the challenge, I think this year of Trying to get some of those played right in that I, I i think there's been a once again i think there's just been a lot of stuff that's come out that's really good but you know it's just been that that difficulty of kind of getting it to the table uh, unless you know i think a lot of those games have somehow found a way to port some way digitally whether it won a board game arena and there's some other um, board game sites too that I'm actually on, but you know, tabletop simulator, Tabletopia, or something like that, you know, so that you could uh, you could kind of play it, you know, or at least get a sense of it. But I, I think that's probably why um, some of the games probably might have more popularity, but it's just people that just haven't had a chance to play them. I know there's a couple right now that are that are really popular that are really hard to get even at the board game store i work at and that's that dune imperium and um uh lost uh legends of arnak i might have messed the name of that one up but you know similar it's a they're both uh worker placement deck builders but once again just tough for people to to play them and trying to get your hands on them and i think that's the other thing dustin too you know just uh working at a board game store at least seeing it from that that standpoint, at least from a publishing standpoint, that it's been kind of difficult because things got slowed down and distribution and, you know, sometimes we would get a hold of something and finally get it in and then it just sells out. And then we having problems getting, you know, more copies. I I, I think it'll happen, but I think that's all obviously, you know, the pandemic really threw a a wrench and a lot of that kind of thing. And it being really a, Socially interactive hobby, you know, I think that's made it very challenging. And I think some people have had to, you know, resort to some interesting ways to do it. I mean, you got some people, well, I can't play digital games. I, I get it. But I do it because at least it gives me a little bit of that fix. At least I'm having some interaction with people. But it doesn't replace the in-person interactions you have with it by any means. But for now, I I, I can, I can, I can do it. You know, it's it's better than not playing at all. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's one thing. I guess a couple things you mentioned that uh things that I can say that I learned from myself or learned this year is one. I love board games and I love playing and meeting and hanging out online to play board games. But I don't think I'm the only one when I say this that it's kind of draining sometimes when you because it's a very yep. different experience that that remote right. virtual experience and i i don't know it's it's been easy for me to default to, to default to just playing video games instead because it's kind of designed for that experience um but it depends on the game like i mentioned we, king's dilemma that has worked really well and also mothership a role-playing game i think those kind of more off the table games right. work really well sure. in a virtual environment. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's been hard for that. And then another thing you mentioned is like getting games. One thing that, that I'm still learning how to figure out is how to carry inventory and how much inventory of different games we should carry because you mentioned the distribution being tougher. And I mean, we have one game, Hanabi, that was really popular over the holidays and we sold out and I still have, we still have a couple customers who are waiting for copies and trying to figure out how to mm-hmm. find right. <laughs> right. copies of the game. And this is new, new experience for me. So figuring out how to get games to customers that mm-hmm. are not looking for them. Um, but yeah, that's something hopefully I'll figure right. out in the next couple. Of well, weeks. I, th- I, like <laughs> I said,
1: I think all, I think a lot of board game stores are going through the same thing. You know, it's not like really exclusive to you and to the store I work for. You know, I'm sure that's pretty, pretty common across the board, you know, as far as that goes. And I mean, right. kind of going back to you mentioning that the playing digitally can be draining. I, I totally agree with you. Um, you know, and It's just whatever you like, but I, 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 I just would hypothesize that I think people probably if they're playing digitally, at least when I've done it with people or whatever, um, unless it's something you really enjoy and it's got some good digital implementation that um, kind of does some of the heavy lifting for you a little bit that you, that's a little more difficult to do in a digital platform that people are really gravitating to more quicker play games or ones where a lot of the stuff is kind of done for you. That's kind of what's nice about Board Game Arena. Or if you're on you know, Tabletopia or Tabletop Simulator, if somebody's written a script, which basically they've done some of the like in-between turn things, like it takes care of you don't have to sort through all the pieces and reset the board and repass out cards or whatever it might be. If it's done like that, it's totally fine. Uh, and i like it. but I, I tended to like games that are a little bit shorter as well when you're playing on the digital it's just a little more draining and, and stuff that might not have so like i have to pick up and move so many different pieces you know i, I think that can be daunting and i think that's maybe have turned some people away too because if you haven't played tabletopia or tabletop simulator that can be pretty daunting and i know i've worked a I, I did a couple of virtual conventions this year and, and helped run one that the one that I have here. We did one online and, um you know, teaching people that stuff and whatever. And I know it's tough, you know, and it just you just got to be patient. And I mean, if you are, you can still have a fun experience, I think. But like I said, it's still not going to replace the in-person play.
0: Right, right. All right. Well, uh, I'm excited for next week because we're going to talk about 2020 and looking at 2021 for board game with education. Um, Roger, thank you again for sharing your top five games that taught you something. Absolutely. And if you're free on Fridays, you're listening to this, come join me on Instagram. I'm looking for more people to engage in our community there. So if you want to come say hi, I'm always curious what games you're playing. So that's a really easy way to come. Let me know what games you're playing. If, if I'm missing a game that might be good for our store let roger or i know and roger where might someone reach out to you if they want to connect
1: um well i think uh probably just to through the i mean the facebook group i think works pretty well but then the email to roger at board gaming with education awesome dot uh, com works as well so can get me get me there on that email when i'm trying to remember to
0: make sure that I yeah, go yeah. Check no them. yeah it's your email you know <laughs> Yeah, and the Facebook group is is Game-Based Learning, Gamification, and Games in Education is our Facebook group. Or you can find it under our Facebook page, Board Game with Education, and it'll be linked to our Facebook page, too. Awesome. Right. So, as always, thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week.